Hello, and welcome to Playability, where we hold conversations at the crossroads of gameplay and accessibility. I'm your host, Rebecca Strang, and I'm joined today by Janice Turner of Ren Games, a UK-based games publisher. Janice and her husband, Stu, have recently had a successful Kickstarter campaign for their game, Assembly, which should be fulfilling later this year. Janice, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Assembly? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca, for having me on. Yeah, so Assembly is one to two player cooperative puzzle game that's relatively small in size, but hopefully has plenty to do with replayability. So basically, you're on a space station, deadly virus has broken out, and the AI has quarantined the station, and um, she doesn't want to escape. Everyone else, unfortunately, has succumbed to this virus and died. So you, and possibly a friend, have a chance to escape. But luckily, you're on a spaceship factory, so if you can build a spaceship, then you can escape. If you don't, then unfortunately, the AI's quarantine processes win and you die. <laughs> so it, it's, it's as simple as that. In terms of the gameplay, it, I find it really hard to describe with just audio because I think it just in its basic form, it sounds boring. But uh, here we go. So it, in its very simplest form is you have a load of tokens. These are all distinctly colored and have distinct icons on. And then you have a load of cards which, funnily enough, have the same distinct colors and and icons on. And there's 12 colors each with their own icon. And you just have to match them up. But you're limited on how you do that. And in a two-player game, we also introduce challenges regarding communication between the players as well. So um, it works very well as a solo game in one way, and then it uh, the dynamics change a fair bit as a two-player game. Yeah, and I can definitely attest it's definitely not a boring game. I was lucky enough to be able to preview a copy and I loved it. I thought it was a very fun puzzle game, very thematic, and I played the two-player version. And it's definitely a very tight puzzle. And I like that you guys have the variety of communication methods available to increase or decrease the challenge based on what you need. Yeah, we found during the uh, the playtesting that when the playtest came back and said, I hated it. And I was like reading all the comments and uh, realizing she was wanting to abide very strictly to the rules, but those rules weren't for her and her friend. But people you meet all over the place want to play by the rules and only the rules that are set out. And they don't like modify it. In games that I play with my husband, Steve, we modify them to make them fun for us playing. And if it's not in the rule book, it doesn't matter to us. It's about having fun. But not everyone's like that. So we actually looked at, well, if people out there want to play this and we want them to enjoy it, if they don't enjoy it in certain is with certain sort of communication limits put on, well, you still can play it and you still can have fun and you still can make it harder in different ways, even when you remove that. So we wanted to sort of give people the option to play it at a completely open level where you just have just playing it really for fun. And there's different ways in there that you can make it harder anyway through the, the changing of the deck and the composition of the deck. Or you can start introducing communication challenges all the way throughout as well, which then if players enjoy that, then they can introduce that. And then there's a way to make it harder by, um, well, harder if you don't know sign language, by using sign language as a way to communicate rather than verbal communications. Obviously, if you're fluent in sign language, that's not the harder variant, that's the easiest variant for you. Mm-hmm. And so here at Playability, we like to focus the conversation around accessibility and what that means to the designers we're talking to. So what does accessibility mean to you? I think accessibility crosses a lot of different things. Um, you have sort of the thing that I guess it might be talked about would be various players have disability of some form, whether that be visual that you need 
from the, the simplest impairment, but someone that needs reading glasses, all the way through to someone that finds using their hands or whatever much more difficult, or someone who is colorblind. Again, it's more of an impairment than necessarily disability in itself, but all these things are going to impact how you play. Mm-hmm. But not only that, you've also got reading ability. So younger children, so accessibility to younger children or just those that perhaps are not native English speakers and readers. So you've got accessibility from language to reading ability to impairments to, to disability. And it's, it, for me, it's across that whole spectrum is uh, accessibility needs to cover or should cover. Sure. And so as far as assembly is concerned, What kinds of decisions or implementations did you make with the game design with accessibility in mind? I guess the very first one I did was getting 12 very distinct and unique colors that are 100% colorblind friendly is difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, We did try and a lot of them are there, but the main thing is that we put a very clear icon on each of them so that they're different. So they're always distinguishable from one to other. And it's also, some people will find the icon perhaps easy to see and other people just be matching the color. But it gives you that double verification that if you have any uncertainty, you can always check the icon to make sure it's over there. So that was one of the early things that we wanted to make sure we had that sort of colorblind friendly in there. So that's sort of the base ones we call the blueprint cars and the room modules. So they all have it on there. Secondly, the command deck, again, was very clear colors and very clear icons on each of them. So you always have that double. We also have us trying to consider about left and right handed. So how you'd hold the cards in your hand. So mm-hmm. making sure that there are symbols on both the left top corner and the right top corner. And if you had it upside down, obviously the bottom ones too, but having it on both sides. One thing we had a bit of a debate about was that one of them has a diagonal on it. I mean, this sounds like really <laughs> nitty gritty things. <laughs> But one of them has a diagonal on it. And we actually had it so that it was actually more suitable for left-handed than right-handed. In the final implication, we're changing that to go to the right-handed simply because more people are right-handed than are left-handed. And it wasn't as obvious to have the diagonal in the opposite direction because it's basically it's a diagonal with two colors on either side. And when you have your cards fanned out, you only see one color if you're right-handed in the way it's currently set up and two colors if you found them in the opposite direction for left-handed. So we've swapped that around to go with the majority but still having the icon at the top to make sure that it's still clear what it is and so it's not confused. So that's a couple of things with just about the cars themselves. And then there was the the physical things. The big one that kind of um, came through the Kickstarter campaign is that we originally had mini-sized cards and we loved mini cards. We found this beautiful tiny little box that you could fit in your pocket and it was this nice little compact game. And if this is originally started out as a mint tin design contest entry so it sort of had its registry it was small but then going through i did some some market surveys and uh people said in fact i was quite surprised to see that well, there's a fair few people out there actually didn't like mini cards um but i love these mini cards so much i just, just ignored that and i just looked at the other side and said, oh yeah most people like mini cards it's all right it doesn't <laughs> they are cute <laughs> yeah they are so well, I want a game that can fit in your pocket. That's important to me. <laughs> and then I, I looked and the question says, how important is it fit in your pocket? I think it was less than 10% of the people said that that was important to them. Nobody really cared about that. But I loved it. I, I love the fact that it could fit in the pocket. So I, I ignored that. And then I got talking on World of Women. And one of the uh, ladies there was explaining about actually the physical difficulties in manipulating small mini-sized cards when using hand braces. And it's like, ah, so here I am doing a game which has um, got some sign language in there to help 
educator bit and we've been careful about colorblind and my mum is disabled so sort of disability and that's why the things are important to me and here I am actually actively excluding some gamers out there and now I know that I'm excluding I can't complete any ignorance at all so yeah I know there's many card haters out there but I now know I'm actively excluding people and that was hard to swallow and mm. I'd also, but previously I'd listened to this podcast. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but I think there was also talking about accessibility and about the fact that mini cards don't fit in most shuffle machines. Right. In assembly, you have to shuffle about four times in the game. And this is in a relatively short period of time. So again, and it's a solo game, so you haven't got someone else to shuffle for you either. And it just, like that was two weeks before the campaign. I'd already started getting some quotes for bridge sides cards and poker size cards as well as mini cards because in the back of my mind I knew that I probably should steer away from mini cards. And then it dawned on me that I needed to change. I knew I was excluding people. As much as I loved them, people who loved mini cards would also probably be quite happy with larger cards. But the other way around, less so. So there may be mm-hmm. the odd one or two percent out there that wouldn't back and I've just seen on Board Game Geek one person explicitly has said that they haven't backed it because it's not mini cards. <laughs> but at the same time, how many people now have backed it? And I in terms of I've now included people and not excluded people. And right. that was really important to us to make sure we weren't actively and knowingly excluding people from being able to enjoy something because we've created something for people to enjoy and excluding people just didn't make sense. Yeah, it's definitely a hard decision to come to when you've had the idea of this thing in your mind and then something pops up that requires a bit of change in order to include the folks that you want to be included. But I think you guys did a good thing in going with that change because like you said, it will make it easier for a lot more people to play the game then it will make upset the people who like those mini cards. Yeah, I mean, just simple people that normally would need to wear reading glasses. In making it more visually accessible to those people by having larger cards, you can put larger text on it, you can put larger icons, all those sort of things. It will benefit a lot more people than it will, I, I guess, uh, please other people, if that makes sense. So the, the mini size cards. Yeah. Um, a lot of people need reading glasses and having something which they can see without squinting so much is, um, I mean, they they still may need the reading glasses, but perhaps it will be a little bit easier on their eyes by having larger text and larger icons and everything on there to start with. And so it affords lots of benefits, not just in the physical part of it, but also the visual part as well. And I remember you sharing a photo on Twitter uh, because this game already started with a small footprint, going from the mini cards to the regular size cards doesn't increase the footprint a huge amount. It's still a small game. Yeah. Um, when you have this tiny, tiny box, you expect a tiny, tiny footprint. So I guess in comparison to the tiny box to start with, it appeared to have a large footprint. But when you have the expectation from the start of a larger cards, it doesn't have a huge footprint. So the it added, I think it was about three and a half centimetres to each side. So uh, if you've got your circle, you just add about three and a half centimetres top and bottom, left and right. And that was it. So what's that, an inch and a half mm-hmm. or something like that? It's, it's not a huge, when you think about how much table space something like this takes up, it's not that much bigger at all. In the grand scheme of things, 
you still can play it on one, a small cafe table. It's still going to fit. It's still going to fit in a hotel room, small table or small desk or something. It's, it's not going to change that. It's just you're now going to have to do it. I think actually, no, we've got, we tested the box out and um, it, it still fits in some pockets. <laughs> I'm not talking about huge pockets either. I think my husband still managed to get the, get the box into sort of his jean pockets. I have tiny pockets on my clothing, so um, it was a little bit more difficult to get it into mine, but it, it still would fit into a jacket pocket in its current box size. It's just not as small and not as cute, but it's still small and it doesn't take up much more table space. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it really does seem to be a bit of a no-brainer in the end. Why make something which, you know, people can't then enjoy over something that has a much better inclusivity. Right. And I know one of the other things you did too, was you made a playmat available for it. So people who, I know I was one of these people when I was playtesting, you've added some reminders, some visual reminders for when to shuffle and add cards and things onto that playmat as well. Yes, yes. So it will make setup a lot easier. I know some people like to have things absolutely perfect when they're laid out. So the playmat will help you with that. I mean, me, I don't care. I, I just like dealing out anyhow. I say, oh, that's good enough. <laughs> if you like it perfect, it will definitely help you with that. It will make referencing and looking um, at what you can do on your turn a lot easier. So you're not going to be jogging sort of your reference cards at all because that's all printed onto the playmat. And then it has key rules printed on there as well, which uh, hopefully will make life a lot easier. So you, you just need the playmat and the play cards and then everything else can go back in the deck. It, it also has sort of your setup at the beginning and what you're putting out. So um, it'll make, hopefully make life a little bit easier. <laughs> so what is your favorite part about assembly my favorite part i think i, I still get the satisfaction of winning <laughs> even after <laughs> i don't know how any playtests like it, it's just it has this satisfying feel when you play it it's i think one of the people that did a preview described it as meditative and i can understand that because you particularly sort of when you're doing it solo that you're sort of what you're doing and what you're trying to do. I mean, I do try and do things slightly different and mix things up every now and again, but it's quite nice sort of solving this puzzle and going through it and then hopefully winning at the end. Um, yeah, it's just satisfying that I've solved something, I've done something. It's like you've completed something, but it doesn't take up too much time either. Which is yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. When we were playing, because it is such a tight puzzle, when you don't win, you do have that immediate feeling of, wow, I want to do this again so I can best this thing. And then when you do, it, it does feel really good. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's good. And even if you've just won and then you play a different one, it, even if you don't lose the first time, I still find it satisfying mm -hmm. to win because it's like, yeah, I've done everything. I've, I've like tidied everything neatly up, made it all nice and neat and, and it now looks good kind of thing. It's got that sort of satisfaction to it. <laughs> but it's also uh, trying to make it very tactile so we've rather than going for punch board we've gone for wooden tokens and so that you've actually got that tactile nature to it as well so you're actually not just it's not just the mental you've got the physical uh, part of the puzzle as well and you're, you're actually picking things up that are not just nothing in your hand they have they have length and they have width and they have height and they have a bit of weight as well rather than just being a cardboard punch yeah, the tokens are really nice. And the iconography that you have, I really like because it's part of the game. It's not just something that was kind of thrown on as a, a last minute thing. It's very cohesive. Yeah, thank you. And so for anybody interested in getting a copy of Assembly, where can they do that? And when will it be available? 
So um, you can go to www.store.rengames.co.uk and that's Ren with a W, so W-R-E-N, like the bird. So the pre-orders kicks in as soon as we place all our orders with the manufacturers, so copies then become limited to whatever we've put in as orders. But So hopefully that's nice and clear. And we'll include those links in the about section for this episode as well. And I know you are available on Twitter um, at Ren Games as well, right? Uh, yes, at Ren Games and at Dravin, which is D-R-A-V-V-I-N. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us about Assembly today. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the future projects that you guys have coming out too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully we'll we have some more in the pipeline. So uh, watch this space and um, maybe in a few months, we'll be able to, to tell you a bit more. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Playability. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com or find us on major social media platforms at playabilitypod. Thanks again for listening. I hope this episode helps you play with a new perspective.